Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to his word proclaimed. Now, last week, uh, as Tim mentioned, we started our stewardship series, and and the first thing that we talked about was how necessary it was that to do anything and everything we do to, is to gird that in prayer. Prayer is, is, is the lifeblood of the church. Prayer is the lifeblood of, of who we are and, and whose we are. But when we pray, it also allows us the opportunity to do something very, very important. When we pray, we allow ourselves to, to seek God. We allow ourselves to take those things in our lives and, and put them aside and place them in God's care. You know, if there's one group of, of Scripture passages that drives me insane. It's our Scripture for today. But before we get to that, would you please go to God and pray with me? Dear God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to seek you, to seek you through prayer, through seeking you through each other, seeking you as we come to your presence. So God, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Our passage for today uh, is towards the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus is being asked these questions, and he responds talking about worry. Like I said, I, I, I hate these passages. It seems like whenever I am going through a difficult time in my life or, or when things aren't going how I would like them to go, this passage comes up. And I have to shake my head and go, okay, God, I understand. I, I need to make sure that I am open to what you are calling me so I want to take a look. We're, uh, our, we said that the scripture is from 19 through uh, 34, but we're going to start at verse 25. Matthew 6, starting at verse 25. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles, or you can follow along with the words on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, or what you'll drink, or about your body, or what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or, or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you, 
that even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it is alive today and tomorrow it is thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat or or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I don't know about you, but, but for me, isn't that just a scriptural kick in the teeth? Especially that last line. That last line just always gets me. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. And that's so true, isn't it? You know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in in what's going to happen tomorrow that we fail to live in the here and now. And I'll admit for me, the, the biggest obstacle that I have that, that, that keeps me from, at times, fully trusting in God is worry. I worry about family. I worry about church. I, I worry about finances. And I know, I know that I'm a people pleaser. And I know I, I want to please people and I want to make people happy. Or in the words of Michael Scott from The Office... Do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. I have to be liked. But it's not like a compulsive need to be liked, like my need to be praised. (laughs) You know, I I know that 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 is a barrier, and, and that barrier gets in my way at times, and I don't fully live in the blessings or the presence of what God has for us. So why in the world would I pick this passage in talking about stewardship? Because I I think the thing that gets in our way when we talk about being stewards of what God has given us is worry. Every time that I, I, I've preached on stewardship or I've talked to, to people and afterwards we, we, we gather around and we talk and they say, you know, Pastor, I'm so, I, I just feel like that I can't give anything to the church because I'm worried about this or I'm worried about that. And I just say, you know what? While we talk about the tithe is, is, is the standard in giving, all God wants us to do is to be faithful with what we have. So if you can only give a small amount, be faithful in that small amount, and you'll see how God will continue to bless and be with you in that giving. See, 
it's about like the example that I gave with our kids with the, with the rock and the sunflower seeds. I think in our, our stewardship, we always say, well, I need to make sure I have this. I need to make sure I have all, all of this stuff. And then whatever I have left over, I'll, I'll just give that to God. And I'm not talking about finances here. I'm just talking about our own lives. You know, I, I, I know that we're busy. I know that we have a lot of things that we are, are doing, but if we are truly being stewards of all that God has given us, we need to make sure the very first thing that we do is that we are seeking God. We are seeking God and we are seeking God's kingdom and figuring out how can we as God's disciples, as Jesus' disciples, can bring about God's kingdom right here and right now. One of the very first ways that we can do this is that we have to realize whose we are. We have to realize whose we are. This picture is a picture of a painting that I now have in my office. A couple of weeks ago, I went to a conference in Wichita, Kansas, and I mentioned Juanita Rasmus last week in my sermon. She has a ministry for homeless people in Houston, and that ministry is a painting ministry. And at this conference, she had a table full of these small paintings that these, uh, the, the, the clients of her ministry uh, participated in. And there were a whole bunch of different, beautiful sceneries and everything, but this particular painting caught my eye, seeing the words, I am. And that reminds me of who God is. That, that no matter what is going on in our lives or, or, or what is happening around us, God is, I am. These words, I am, first appeared in the book of Exodus. Moses has this moment where he has gone uh, up the mountain and he sees this bush that is burning and the bush is not being consumed. And he freaks out a little bit, and he hears the voice out of the bush telling him to come forward, to take off his sandals because he's walking on holy ground. And at that time where Moses is having a conversation with God, God tells Moses to go to God's people in Egypt and tell them that they will soon be freed and Moses knows that he can't do this because he doesn't have the skill set. He, he can't talk well. He, can't, he, he left Egypt under a cloud of, 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 of um, scandal. That's the word I'm looking for. After he killed a fellow Egyptian who was beating one of the Hebrews, he took off and he left hoping never to show back up again. But God said, no, you're going to go back and be my voice to my people. Well, Moses asked, well, how am I supposed to tell them who, uh, who, who sent me? And God tells him these words. Tell them, I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. 
God continued, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham, God, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God have sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is how all generations will remember me. See, I, I love the phrase, I am, because it's not a this point in time saying. It covers from the beginning of time, beginning of all time, to the end of all time. Is that wherever we are, God is. God is, I am. Later in the Gospels, in, in, in the eighth chapter of John, Jesus comes against the Pharisees, and, and they are questioning his authority as he talks about being greater than Abraham. And they ask him, how can you say this? And Jesus reminds them, before Abraham was, I am. So before we are, I am. After we leave this place, God will still be, I am. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers of the one who created us, we can be stewards of all that God has given us because God is and God forever will be. So once we understand whose we are, the next thing is, is a piece of cake. We realize that everything we have is a gift. Every single moment that we are alive, every breath that we take, every interaction that we have is a gift. Now, I will admit, sometimes those interactions, sometimes those, those days in our lives, it doesn't feel like much of a gift. But a story that I always loved telling when I was in the Appalachia Service Project, going up to one of our clients' home that we were fixing his roof, and we knocked on his door and we said, how are you, Mr. Jones? And he would say, every day that I'm able to put my feet on the ground is a good day because I have been blessed with another opportunity. Jesus shares about this in our passage today when he talks about the birds and he talks about the flowers. Remember, he said, if God dresses grass in the field so beautifully even though it is alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into a furnace, tomorrow it's, it's discarded. It, it's like it doesn't even matter. Just think about God will do much more for you. See, we are blessed. If you, if you just look around this sanctuary, when we had our little ones up here singing, when we hear the praise team, when we uh, hear testimony about how God has, has blessed our lives, we know that we have been given so much more than we could ever fully know what to do with. So as I said, we are focusing on stewardship. 
And there, there are two parts of this stewardship campaign. If you look in your bulletin, you'll see that there are two cards that are in your bulletin. One is an estimate of giving card, and the other one is a you belong here card. You know, we invite you over this week to think about and pray about how you can continue to support our ministries. I'm going to get a little practical here. Uh, last month, the finance committee met, and we've been pouring over the budget for, for 2018. We've been doing a lot of hard work for this budget. Part of it is because we wanted to make sure that we are faithful with what God has given us, but we also want to make sure that we do the ministry that God has called us to do. So as of... Uh, the 23rd of October, the budget will go in front of church council to, to be uh, approved. And as of right now, our budget for 2018 sits at $338,977, which if we were to look at the amount that we estimate that we will receive in 2017, it is a 5% increase of what you have given in this year. So I believe we estimated about $322,000. Is that right, Nancy and Jay? About that amount in giving this year. So we're increasing a little bit, but in that increase, we are planning on doing a lot of great ministries. So I invite you just to go home and pray about how you can support the ministries of our church over this next year. But, but stewardship is a lot more a lot more than what we give. See, I firmly believe that each and every person sitting in this sanctuary has gifts and graces that they can give of themselves to make our church a place that welcomes openly, but also makes our church a place that we help each other grow in our faith. I believe that you have a gift that can help people experience a life-changing moment with Jesus Christ. So, so take a look at that You Belong Here card. And I'll tell you right now, we have one major need right now. And it's, it's an awesome need. We started our Wednesday night fusion uh, ministry. And as of right now, I keep talking about how many kids we have showing up. We have like 37 kids, the 40 kids on a Wednesday night, and our fourth through sixth grade is our largest group, and we need to divide that group up, uh, and we need people to come and help teach. We need people to come and help support those who are doing ministry, so if you feel, you know, you may think like Moses thought, there's absolutely no way in the world that I can go and be with a whole bunch of fourth through sixth graders. But I think that's the wrong attitude with that because I bet you if we pushed those who are helping out now, they feel like that they're not adequately able to respond or, or teach our fourth through sixth graders. But they also know that it is not them that's doing it. It's the power and love of, of Jesus Christ that is moving through their lives to help them be with our kids and share God's love in a tangible way. That way they know that no matter what goes on in their lives, 
that the church is there for them, but more importantly, that Jesus is there for them. So I invite you to think about, if, if you think that there may be a way that you can spare an hour or two on Wednesday nights, come and join us because fusion and jam is just going to keep growing. And the only way that it'll stop growing is if we stop having people care for our kids and want to use the gifts and the love that you have to help them experience the love and grace in Jesus Christ in a powerful way through our congregation. I know sometimes stewardship stuff is, is hard. Maybe some of you have rolled your eyes and gone, here comes the pastor again asking for money and asking for us to be a part of what's going on when I've already done so much. But one thing I know is that God never calls us to stop growing in our faith. God never calls us to stop giving of ourselves so that others may receive Christ. Angela put out on the, on the uh, marquee this week, you know, is there anyone in heaven because of you? Just think about that. Is there anyone who has received God's love and grace because you have poured into your life, as I'm sure someone has poured into you. Let us pray. Dear God, you have blessed us as a church, and we are thankful for the, for the ministry and for the life of each other here and for how you continue to use us, even though we feel like we may not have anything to give. Help us to remember that many people in Scripture felt like that they were inadequate. But the thing that makes their story stick out is that you are a part of their story. And God, you are a part of our story. You help us to see uh, your love pour in and through us so that we may share that love for others. So God, as we move towards our celebration next week, we ask that you help us to see how we can support the church through the vows that we have made, through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Guide us and lead us as we grow in our faith and grow in knowledge of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.